Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23 as we begin this morning. Um, I also want to tell you, some of you noticed that I was gone last week. Um, my family and I, we went up to Mammoth. Uh, some of you thought I was doing something noble, like taking care of my ailing father or something like that. No, we were just hanging out in Mammoth uh, for the weekend, and we really enjoyed it, and it was awesome. It was beautiful weather. Um, yeah, it's lakes. It was, all, it was all great. So we got away, and we're thankful not to be away from you, but we we're thankful to get away for a moment. In Matthew chapter 23, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, how Jesus uh, begins to uh, settle in talking directly uh, to these uh, teachers of the law and the Pharisees and these religious leaders of the Jews he dials in on. And I, I want to tell you that a lot of times in our culture and in the culture, biblical culture, they would uh, talk to someone but hope others would hear. Uh, you, you know this if your parents... Your, your parents of multiple children, right? Uh, you scold one child, but you hope everybody's hearing. Uh, you hope everybody's getting the message and they'll jump on board. And, and Jesus has taught like that really up to this point. He's very rarely dialed in specifically to those religious leaders, those Pharisees, and engaged them on their own problems. But now I want to tell you that the, what he is talking about, what we talked about two weeks ago and the continuing this morning, he is squaring up and he is calling them by name and he is directly declaring to them, this is your failure, this is your problem. I realize that most of us don't like that approach. We like a much gentler approach, subtle even, uh, kind of just a little bit here and there, just kind of a little bit, you're kind of doing something wrong. Jesus doesn't use that approach, especially in this context. He squares up and he directly speaks to those religious leaders and those Pharisees, some of which who might be there, but some of which will hear this secondhand. But I want to tell you, he wants all of us to hear. He wants all of us to hear the message that he shares uh, with uh, these religious leaders. And so this morning, we're going to look at really three failures uh, that these religious leaders had, and hopefully that will help us to sort out where we're at in life as well. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, this section, starting at verse 23. God's word says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought uh, to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones 
and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate them, the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood vipers. How are you to escape uh, being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you to the prophets, send you prophets and wise men, scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. So that they may come, so that on you may come all righteous blood shed on earth. The blood of the righteous, Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Baruchai, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. God, we ask. Uh, the blessing on your word. We ask that you would help us understand. That you would cause us to listen. That you would cause us through your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to change us. That we would not follow in the footsteps of those to whom you declare they are failures. God, help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. As we look to God's word today, we realize that um, Jesus is in the midst of that week before, that some refer to as the Passion Week, that he has entered the city, entered the temple, that he is really preparing to go to the cross. And one of his last messages, one of his last, like, I got to get this last thing in. You realize when you know you're going to leave, when you know the event's coming, that, that you get that last message in and this or in the midst of this last message to the religious leaders of the Jews as we look at this we we're on the tail end we've already gone through uh, the first part now we come to the second part and Jesus has three failures that we're going to look at this morning first is the the failure of priorities second is of appearances and third is of the message, the message or messengers. As we look at verse 23, we see uh, him point out two separate things that they had done, but they fall into this category of priorities. And their failure was their insignificant priorities. You, you realize that um, we all struggle with priorities. How many have a list of things to do? List of things to do. Um, and there's always a question, because I don't know about you, but my list is always longer than my time uh, or my energy. <laughs> yeah, I might have time for it, but maybe not energy for it. Uh, and so you have to ask the question, well, what do I do? Uh, what becomes the priority? And so in a spiritual sense, Jesus is highlighting uh, the Pharisees, the religious teachers. He says, I want to talk to you about your priorities, 
and how you've failed. In verse 23, he talked, What are you teachers of the law? You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. As I think about that, those three spices, kind of interesting, huh? Your tea, your tea, your, your mint tea, um, your uh, dill pickles, and your tacos, you know, your cumin, right? And you get this picture, and, and what they're doing is, Jesus pointing, you take a tenth of that. You take a tenth of that. Um, if you can picture your kitchen right now uh, in its, all its glory, in all its glory. Uh, you have the refrigerator, it's full of food, and you have the pantry that has other food, and then you have that little spice rack right there, and it's, you know, they're all in alphabetical order, uh, these little jars right there, and uh, that's really weird if you have them in alphabetical order. I mean, I realize it's helpful, make a great librarian or something like that, but, uh, you know, the idea that you have them all organized and everything good, but, but the idea is these little bottles, these little, these little spices, it, it, you know, you, you don't use a whole lot of cumin as you're making your tacos, right? It's not that you say, uh, oh, 50-50, 50 taco meat and 50% cumin, you know, that, that's too much. It's just a little bit. And so Jesus highlights the, these spices as these little bits of things and he says, you're making a big deal out of taking 10% out of your spices. And even as we look at this this morning, you go, your spices? Why, why give out of your spices this little, small, insignificant thing? And Jesus points to that as part of their wrong or insignificant priorities. I say insignificant because your priorities should be the big things of life, right? And yet their priorities were insignificant. It wasn't part of even the main meal. You can have a meal without the spices. But Jesus says this, and, and he brings about, I, I want to use this word. I feel like I want to use the word judgment. Jesus is bringing down his judgment. But it wasn't his judgment that he was bringing. He was more declaring, this is the way you are. This is how it is. He's not, uh, see, he's highlighting the very reality of who they are. And I want to tell you that many times we, we struggle with this idea of opinion, right? Uh, we think a lot of things about different politics, about foods, about sports, about the weather and what's important and what's not. We, we have opinions about everything. We're Bear Valley Church. We have a big idea, you know, we, we know the right way to go. We, our opinion matters. But I, wanna, I want you to hear this. This is Jesus. He speaks truth. He's right. He sees the whole picture. He's accurate. When he looks at their lives, he's not getting, oh, you didn't understand. You don't know where I've been. You, you don't fully understand. You, you, you misunderstood my actions. I want to tell you, we can do that all the time. But Jesus saw clearly, and he declares who they are, their failures. And yes, there is a sense of judgment on this as well, but to know this, that this wasn't Jesus saying something that wasn't true. He was accurately declaring, this is your life. And their life was this, this idea of a tenth, 
a tenth and they were making a big deal about their spices but he said to them but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness you know uh what's hard about those three words justice mercy and faithfulness is uh there's really not an accurate uh thermometer for that kind of stuff right you can't uh, there's not really a dipstick that you can put into someone's heart and, and really see, for us to really see when we've grasped and understood and are practicing justice, mercy, faithfulness. But a tenth of your spices, that's easy to, you know, you set your spices out, you, ten sections, there's a tenth right there. It's easy. And this is what's uh, easy about uh, this kind of life of the keeping score type of thing of saying I did it I checked off the box I, I, I did this this thing I, I uh, went through this course I got this certificate I've gone through the training so I'm good I'm good and yet Jesus looks upon that and he says you, you look at these as priorities. I look at these, these other things. You see these as the big things. And I want to tell you the big things are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. As you stare at those three words this morning, how about you? Uh, are these the things that mark your life? The idea that you love justice. Uh, not justice in the eyes of the law or in the eyes of you, but that, that God, that His thoughts and His uh, judgments and His justice, that that would prevail. You love mercy. I, I realize that many of you have tied back to the Micah passage on this one, and that's good. But this idea of mercy, mercy, that, that you, you love to see God's mercy both in your own life, but also to extend it to be merciful to others. He looks to these leaders, he looks to these leaders and he says, do you love mercy? Do you love it? Is this a product of your life? And the idea of faithfulness, the display that God has given us, that he's been faithful to us, that we would be faithful to him and that we would work out and live our lives as ones that are marked by faithfulness. As you look at this this morning, you say, well, he, he, they, they had three spices that they were focusing on. And Jesus had three characteristics, an inward characteristic, a priority for them. As we look at this, uh, Jesus says, this is your problem. You deal with, in spices, I, I deal with your heart. I deal with the priorities of your heart. And he says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. And um, this is the problem, right? We looked at this uh, two weeks ago, this idea of blind guides. A guide, you don't want to be blind, right? The one you're following, you want to make sure that he knows where he's going and that he can see the path clearly. But when you're following a blind guide, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind, right? You heard that before? I think they got it from here. Blind leading the blind. And so what happens when your leaders are concerned with mint 
dill, and cumin. Did you get a tenth out of that? Did you, did you get that little spot right there? Did you, get the, did you take care of the spices? Did you take care of the spices? Because that's the big stuff. When that's what the leaders do, guess what? That's what the followers do. And they become blind guides. And the ones who follow after are going down the wrong path as well. You blind guides, and he says this, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. What a picture, right? A gnat. Whew, very small, very small. And there's a picture kind of a bowl of soup or something like that. Right? Some kind of liquid. And they see a little bug in there and they go, ooh. And they, they strain them out and they get rid of them. And they say, there's a camel in your bowl and you just swallow the camel. What a picture, right? It's impossible. He paints this impossible picture and he says, you see this small, insignificant, isn't going to matter if you suck down a 10 gnats, right? But the big issue, the camel that will cause you much harm and it'll forever be marked, that's the one that you don't care about. I want to tell you this morning, this, a few of these things, think about your parenting, you parents here. Uh, be careful, be careful. Are you worried about the wrong things? When you look at your kids, are you worried about uh, the small, insignificant things and missing the grand things of their life? Are you a blind guide where you're concerned about that for your own life and then you impose that upon your children? Even, even if you don't teach it, they just see this is what mom and dad are all about. Think about it. This is what uh, the problem was with the Pharisees. And Jesus looked upon it and he says, declare, I declare you f a failure because of this. Your insignificant priorities. They were uh, making the small issues big issues and neglecting the big issues. And I want to tell you, uh, they were majoring on the minors, right? And uh, I'll have a temptation for that. As we move on, we look down at verse 25. Jesus now turns to the outward appearance. Um, they had wrong priorities, but they also loved the outward appearance. And it caused them to be a failure. It caused them to be a failure. If you look down at God's word, he once again brings the woe declaration. This is trouble for you. This is pity for you. This is a bad and wrong decision. You clean the outside of the cup and dish. Uh, you think about this, and this is what, what a picture, right? The doing of dishes. And you, you can picture this bowl or this vase or this plate, and, and, and you say, you know, I just want it to appear beautiful, appear beautiful. Not just beautiful, but I want it to appear clean without being clean. Uh, you, you see the problem with that, right? Uh, how many of you want to eat off dirty dishes I, you know do you care about the, the dishes are truly clean yes of course you do in fact uh, you go ooh, I'm not eating this because this is this is dirty it, 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 who knows what's on that plate who knows uh, what's been left behind and Jesus paints this as the picture of how the, uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees worked he said, you only concern yourself with really outward appearance or appearance that, that you people see you as clean. 
But he says the reality, um, the truth about your life, but the inside of, uh, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. He said, uh, you, you want to do a showtime thing so people think it's great without it truly being great. Uh, the outside is not a reflection of the inside. The, the outside appears to be clean, but the inside is filled. It's filled. It's, it's prolific. It's not just a small spot, but it's, it's awful. It's filled with greed and self-indulgence. It's uh, appearing to be someone that you're not on the inside. Appearance. And that was really the example one of this outward appearance. Uh, he says, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Verse 26, blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. I want to tell you uh, that the, these two examples of the outward appearance uh, highlights Jesus' method. That uh, the work of God happening in your life and in mine. When someone comes in, and, and you know, uh, have you ever seen someone who what's going on inside is reflected on the outside? Have you seen that? Uh, they don't feel well. And, and you've got to be careful with this. Sometimes uh, as a pastor, uh, you're, you're in tune with people. And so you, you see them come in. And uh, they, they look like they're burdened or tired. And, and you see them and you say, you look terrible. That's not a good thing to say, by the way. Okay? Uh, it, it would be good for you to be tipped off to that. Hey, it looked like, but you be, better be careful about how you say that. You look terrible on the outside. Um, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you what happens is this. Jesus has a method for all this. He changes the inside. And as he does that, it's reflected on the outside. It comes out in someone's life. Not in new clothes. Not in uh, better hair. I'm sure of it. Um, uh, it, it, it. What it is, is he changes the inside and then it re is reflected on the outside. I realize we're good Americans, even close to the great Southern California, which is like, it's all about the outside, right? It's all about how we look. It, it's all about the appearance that we bring to the table. But Jesus' method, I want to tell you, is to change what's going on inside that it might be reflected on the outside. Really, and I want to say this, reflected in everything. That he wants to change you from the inside. They cleaned the outside, but in the inside they were filled with motives full of greed and self-indulgence. And Jesus said, your priority should be to clean the outside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be, uh, the outside will be clean as well. He goes on to a second example of the same idea, their, their love for the outward appearance. And in verse 27, he says, What are you teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites? You are like whitewashed tombs. It's interesting. He goes from this common, uh, everyday household experience of the dishes. And dishes are unimportant. Did you know that? They come back next meal, right? 
It's the same problem. It's part of the, the awful thing of the household, right? Uh, they don't stay clean forever. Um, and it's this constant repetition. All households have to deal with this. It's, it's a common thing. And he goes from that very uh, common thing to something uh, also common, but something that is grand and uh, shakes them at their heart. And what is it? He goes to the death of someone. And he says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. There's a desire for us to uh, dress up death, right? Uh, I always thought it was interesting from time to time, Costco has, I don't know if they have a sale on coffins or whatever, or I don't know what they're doing, but as you walk out, you can see the coffin display. You know, I'll take some cheese, some toilet paper, and a coffin. I'll take home as well. Interesting idea. Uh, if you've ever seen coffins, some of them are They're beautiful. Uh, they, you know, they're in, in, amazing things, but it, it kind of deceives us into thinking, oh, but it's a coffin. What's going to happen in the coffin? It, it, it's, the, it's the remains and over time, there's, there's the decay. And, and we know about the idea of the, even the death of an animal, that it, it cannot be laying around. It cannot be going. Why? Because of the decay that comes to the body. And Jesus takes this example, and he describes to them their heart, the way they're handling life, the, the failures that they have. And what are they? that they look at these tombs and they dress them up. They whitewash them. They make them beautiful. And so uh, you could roll into their tombs, their, their, their pictures, and you say, man, this is beautiful. I love looking at it. That's the outside. That's the outside. And yet on the inside, what is it? As they look at the inside, he says, you're, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're Outside, you're beautiful, but inside, you're dead and decaying. Dead and decaying. What a danger for us. What a danger for us. Church, most of you took a shower prior to coming. Cleaned yourself up as best you could. Say, I'm going to church. I'm going to see people. The question is, what's easy you alive has the what Jesus on the cross has it affected you in such a way that it's new life the outside it's something depending on Jesus says you know what you dress up the outside you make it look beautiful but inside you're dead And he describes, uh, as we look at this, he says, verse, uh, verse 28, he says, in the, uh, in the same way, on the outside you appear people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You appear to be spiritual. Appear to be holy. 
I want to appear to be holy. I want to tell you, if you want to appear to be holy, be holy. Walk with God. Be changed by the gospel. And so Jesus brings this, this outer appearance. And I want to tell you, uh, this is the great pressure in our world today. Act happy. Act happy. Uh, uh, put on a happy face. Come to church. Look like you're spiritual. Uh, carry a big Bible or one of those fancy electronic things where you can cross-reference and check on the pastor if he knows what he's talking about during the sermon. Look spiritual. This is the desire. Look like you know what you're doing. We, we live in this world that the idea of taking a selfie, right? And it, it's taking this spiritual shot and it, it's somehow proving that my life is great. I, I'm taking this picture and then we look at it and go, oh, I look awful in that one. Let's do, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Oh, we need some props. We need some props. Make it look like I'm having a good time. Uh, you come in here too. Let's smile, even if we're, we don't like each other, right? Okay. And, and we'll just take a snapshot at a moment in time and we will share with the world historically, we are doing great. And the question is not whether we took a picture in a time and a place, but are we alive inside? Or are we dead? Does the outside look good? Is the presentation great? But the reality, uh, what is the evidence of our life? What is going on inside? It's interesting in our world, we have a way of editing everything, Right? We have a way of uh, looking what we had written and going, oh, that didn't sound happy enough. Let's redo that. Let's make it sound grander. We take a picture and we say, oh, this makes me look too much this or too much that. We can kind of touch that up. I want to tell you that this is, a, this is the, the point that Jesus points to in the Pharisee's life. He says, you, you're trying to edit thing and put a spin on it. You're trying to make your reality go away, but the reality is you're dead inside. I want to encourage us and think through what is the purpose of Bible study? What is the purpose of Bible study? Why do we gather for Bible study? Uh, things are starting up again. Kids are meeting youth group uh, back at the church here, away from the good days of the lake, and we're back at the church here. Awana's starting today. Women's ministry has started. Father's Bible study started. All these things are starting up again. What's the purpose of it? The purpose of it is this, is transformation that God would do a work inside of us. If we gather together and we get smarter, we miss the mark. If we gather together, if we plow through books or, or accomplish things, I want to tell you, we miss the mark. The, the mark is this, that we would be alive in Christ. That, that there would be a life inside of us that will be sustained through the, the, the different seasons of this life. Some, sometimes there are storms, sometimes there's smooth sailing. The smooth sailing seems shorter than the storms. But anyways, I, I want to tell you that this is the point that Jesus brings to you. And he says to these Pharisees, you're missing the boat. You concern yourself with outward. And I want to tell you it's all what's going on inside that matters. I realize that, um, I, I want to tell you this. If, if, you, 
if you just concern yourself with the outside, I want to tell you, you're in for an exhausting life. It, you, it's tiring trying to keep up with appearances. It's tiring. It's, it's exhausting. And, and what are they going to think of me? How do I look? You're constantly looking in the mirror. You're constantly checking out yourself and saying, do I look like I'm doing what's right? I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus was concerned with. Jesus was concerned with you being alive in him. So we look to this last section, and I'll try to get moving here. We look to the last section where he talks about the rejection of the message. In verse 29, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. As you look at this, as you can look back at the chapters prior, Jesus brought to them over and over again, the prophets, the prophets, the prophets. You rejected the prophets, their message, you stoned and killed them. Okay, you did this over and over again. And Jesus brings this to them over and over again and, and, and their, their answer to it, that wasn't us. We wouldn't have done that. We, we know better. As we look in retrospect in, in all that's gone on, we realize, we realize that our ancestors were wrong and we would have never done that. And Jesus says, oh, yes, you would have. Why? Because the message that the prophets had was one of repentance. You're wrong. You need to change. Follow after God. Trust in the Messiah that would be to come. That was in the past. And they said, oh, we wouldn't do that. In fact, Jesus, in his condemnation, he says, finish what they started. Most think this is an allusion to himself, that, that they had done this to the prophets, they'd rejected them, and now that they were getting ready to kill Jesus. So really he focuses on and points them to the past, their rejection of the message. And then he goes on, um, he, he speaks to them and he says, you, you snakes, you brood vipers, how will you es uh, escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify and others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue them from town to town. As he looks at that, he uses Jewish language to refer to the apostles and other teachers of the apostles' teaching that were to come. In fact, if you look at this and you say, that could easily describe Paul, right? Paul hasn't come yet. And he says, I'm going to send you in the future. I'm going to send you other messengers, just like I sent you in the past. And you'll reject them, kill them, crucify them, flog them in your synagogues and pursue them from town to town. And so upon uh, you will come the righteous blood that has been shed on earth. And from the blood of the righteous Abel uh, to the blood of Zacharias speaks of his father as well. Identifies Zacharias, very common name in the Old Testament. We believe it to be the one spoken of in Zechariah. Um, he says, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. And he's pointing to really the Old Testament history from Abel being rejected for his righteousness to Zechariah being not the last, but the, the sign of the last one in that last time. The whole Old Testament, this is what you've done. 
And so he brings them and he says, uh, your failure is this, the rejection of the message, the message of Messiah and now the message that stands before them, Jesus, and the one that will to come when it speaks of Jesus in retrospect. And Jesus sends them and he says, you know what, your failure, and I did, this is true, this is your failure, is that you reject my message, my message of me being the Messiah in the past and now being the Savior, the one that is going to go to the cross. And then it ends uh, this section, and we're going to talk, we're going to end here in verse 36. He says, Truly I tell you, tell you, all of this will come upon this generation. As you consider this, it's about 40 years uh, till um, 70 A.D., and 70 A.D. is a big, big one in the scriptures or in the history of God's people. It's the destruction of Jerusalem and really the scattering of his people and the destruction of the temple, the temple. And uh, at that point in 70 A.D., the one that he is foretelling right now, and he says, this, this destruction will come upon you. This judgment will come in, in your generation. Um, what he's saying as he comes to the end of these judgments or declarations of woes, he's saying, this will not end well for you. This will not end well and for your people. Your leadership has led these people to this uh, event that will come. I want to tell you, and I just want to tie it up this morning with this. I don't have my three points of, uh, but it's this. Um, this declaration of failures uh, was because they didn't humbly follow God. They didn't humbly follow God. They, they weren't ones who said, what do you want me to do, God? How do you want me to act? Uh, change me from the inside out. They didn't accept the message of the Messiah. Um, and so, uh, as they thought through the message that was to come, uh, the Messiah was to come, they didn't identify the one that was standing before them as a Savior. And that's why this is the point of all these woes, is they miss Jesus. They miss Jesus. And I want to tell you, um, I want to extend to you, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss him. As you consider your life right now, you might be doing a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong, and you're hoping the things you do right are better than the ones, more than the things you do wrong. I want to tell you that's missing the point. That's trying to be like the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, Jesus brought to them himself and he says, I've got a better way for you. Follow me. Repent from the way you've been living and come and follow me. May I be the one. He, he extended himself to them, the savior for them, the answer for them um, in replacement of the answers they had before. If that's you this morning, I'd love to talk to you more about this. Um, this is uh, the most important message for Bear Valley Church, is this idea that, that you would be a follower of Jesus, not a follower of your rules and your own ideas. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being with your people. God, I ask that uh, this message would continue to resonate in our hearts and bounce around there and continue to change us. God, we realize that we cannot be changed. We cannot change ourselves, but that we need your work to go on in us. And so we humbly ask, humbly ask that you would do your work in us. Change our thoughts, replace them with your very own. Uh, replace the deadness 
with life, uh, life that only comes through your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.